Today's message is called Purpose, Calling, and the Will of God. I believe this is a message that is needed for many of our young people today who are aimless about their life, lacking direction and focus, stuck in a place where they're not heading anywhere. Now, when you come to this church, one of the main things we focus all the time is faith. Believing in God. Faith for miracles. Faith for overcoming the powers of darkness. Faith for deliverance from oppression and so on. But let me tell you this. Even though we use faith to receive healings and miracles, the main use of our faith is not for these things. The main use of our faith, as I've discovered in the scripture, in the life of Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and all of these great men and women of God in scriptures, the main use of our faith is to follow the purpose of God. See, you don't need healing every day. You don't need deliverance every day. So what are you going to use your faith for? Amen. So we have to graduate from the place where we are only using our faith to get things from God to actually using our faith to live a life of purpose. I'm continuing from the spiritual maturity series and also from last Sunday. Your faith is essential because God has a purpose for you. And we want to see that we fulfill our purpose before we go to heaven. Amen. So it's more than just getting a miracle, getting an encounter from God. Faith to fulfill our purposes, to engage with God in our calling and in the process, do the will of God. Now, a lot of people are always asking these questions. What is my true purpose? <clears throat> what is God calling me to do with my life? Why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing? Many young people will be saying, and maybe even the adults, maybe even the 60-year-olds, I want to do God's will for my life, but how? That's the question, how? Now, having this question doesn't mean you are a weak Christian, that you are an ignorant Christian. It just means that you are a normal Christian because all of us have these questions. And I also, after having served God for over 20 years, still have these questions in my life. And it is good to have these questions so that we can go to God for the answers. See, the moment we, ask, we stop asking these questions, it means that you have stopped living. <clears throat> Amen. So these are things I also question in my prayer with God and ask the Lord for answers. Amen. Now let me make this statement and I want you to really get this. The key to a meaningful, fulfilled, and satisfied life. <clears throat> meaningful, fulfilled, and satisfied life 
at the end of your existence on the earth. A life which is pleasing to God. Powerful in impact. And a life that has mattered in eternity. Not just for temporal things, but for eternity. It is found in living a life of purpose and fulfilling your calling. Did you get it? Living a life of purpose and fulfilling your calling. Until you discover that, you will live a dissatisfied life. You will live an aimless life, an empty life. Even after being born again, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, having gifts and anointing from God, even after that, you will lead a dissatisfied, unfulfilled life. Because the ultimate in a walk with God is not being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and being used by God in gifts. Those things are just a packaging for the purpose. The ability God has given you, the talents, the gifts, they are just the equipment for the purpose. But many are not discovering their purpose, not living their purpose, seeking after gifts. For what? Right? Knowledge. For what? To be a strong Christian. For what? So there is a purpose you must connect with. Five signs that you are a purposeless Christian. Let's look at these five signs. Number one, you're living a life of sin. Many Christians live in sin. Living a life of sin, just pursuing endless, mindless entertainment is a sign that you're living without purpose. It's not God's will for your life. Number two, you lack joy and enthusiasm for life. There's nothing that is motivating you with goals to progress to seek God with the target. You wake up every day with boredom. You're just bored about life. Not only that, you have apathy. Apathy is I don't care attitude. So that means you are living a life without purpose. Number three, you don't feel fulfilled in life. Yeah, you have the best car that money can buy. You have all the brand clothes and purses. You watch 10, 20 hours on YouTube, whatever, but still dissatisfied. Because meaning and fulfillment comes from doing meaningful and purposeful things, not empty things. Number four, your life is stuck. Stuck. You're not going in any certain direction. You don't know how to get there. It's like... You feel stuck inside. The progress of your life is also stuck. And number five, you have no direction. That means right now you have no specific goals that you are targeting right now. Goals. It's not about doing. See, don't misunderstand the message of grace that says rest in God. And many have misinterpreted that to mean to do nothing. 
Grace doesn't mean that you do nothing. Grace means that you are walking in spirit-directed activity. And you're doing it with rest in your heart, but you still have goals. In every season of your life, you have goals that you are targeted towards. Some of those goals could be as simple as going to read two or three books in a month. But if you have no goals, that means you have no direction for your life. And that means you're living a life without purpose. Can you say amen? Now, everyone has purpose from God. Look at these two verses. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to purpose. The word His was added by the translators. Called according to purpose. Called according to purpose. We have all been called by God. The word called means invited according to purpose. Look at the next verse. Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him. Predestined according to His purpose. Predestined means even before you were sent to this earth, God already created your purpose. That means you are not a mistake. Oh, but I have no father, I have no mother. Doesn't matter. You are not a mistake. But my parents got me through a mistake. It was their mistake, not God's mistake. So you are not a mistake. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ, that is us Christians, believers, how many of you trust in Christ? Can I see your hands? So all of us should be to the praise of His glory. So our purpose is for His glory, to live for His glory. Every one of us is created for purpose, called into His purpose. All right, but there's a confusion that people have about purpose and calling. Is it the same? Because we're not sure, we don't know how to really walk in the purpose of God. And that's one reason why a lot of lives have not yet been opened. Something hasn't moved in your heart. See, before things will move outside your life, in the circumstance of your life, your decisions, your choices, your career, something has to move inside first. I've always experienced that. Even before these things moved, our project of the guest room and the guest, uh, the cafe and the, the land, something moved in our hearts as we prayed. I was like, God is doing something. Let's move. Let's make the decisions. When we said that, suddenly things began to move on the externals. Because I was thinking we will not build this guest house. Why spend so much money? I did not see the purpose behind the guest house. I thought it's just going to be an expensive guest room. But when I went to Hyderabad and I was so busy ministering every day and then one Sunday four services and I saw that pastor how his Church, he made it comfortable for him so that he's available to minister to his people. Sometimes staying in his office till 10 p.m. at night. Because it's comfortable, there's AC and his members come. Of course, it's a city, you know that. Here at 10 p.m., all of you are snoring. But in the city, it's 10 p.m., people are awake. They eat food at 11. So there was a purpose for comfort. You don't seek comfort for the sake of comfort. 
but there's a purpose to have a guest room where you can sleep. So when I saw that, it moved in me. There's a purpose. When it moved here, we made decisions and things began moving outside. Did you get it? So you have to see in God's plan for you in prayer, in the Word, God's purpose. But if you don't see it, if you don't know the difference between purpose and calling, you will not make decisions by faith here. And when there's no faith here, there is no change outside. Did you get it? So what is purpose? Make sure you are taking notes. Purpose. Purpose is the reason for which you exist. It's the reason for which you are created. As simple as that. There's a reason why you exist. Amen. And it's more than just to be a Naga. And to fight for Naga pride. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 16 verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Even Pharaoh had a purpose in God's ultimate plan. There's a purpose for everything and everyone. Amen. Once we see the grand scheme of divine purpose on the earth, you will understand every government, there is a purpose. Modi has come with a purpose from God. Hallelujah. Every season we're going through, there is a purpose. God can redeem negative things. God can redeem Satan's mechanisms for his purpose. Hallelujah. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, says that there are five expressions of God's purposes for every human being and for every Christian. And those five expressions are this. Number one, worship. Everyone say worship. Number two, fellowship. Number three, discipleship. Number four, service. And number five, mission. Mission means evangelism. Go ye into all the world. So these are the five that are God's general purposes for every Christian. Worship doesn't mean just lifting up your hands and singing songs. Worship means living a life that glorifies God. But John Piper summarizes all of this into one, one main purpose. And I believe in both. It's all scriptural. So it's not he said or they said. They're just telling us what the scripture says. So it's not what Rick Warren says. It's what the Bible says. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our purpose is ultimately to bring glory to God in everything we do. Can you say Amen? So when you dress, ask yourself a question. Does this glorify God? Don't look at my shoes. Alright? <laughs> does this glorify God? Right? I mean, people are always debating about how high the skirt should be. It's not about how high, how low, one inch lesser, one inch higher. It's not about those technicalities. Does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? Amen. Hallelujah. So the choice that you want to buy this expensive thing, um, you know, God's not against you having expensive things, but at that particular moment, situation, context of your life, compared to the context outside, does it glorify God? So there are many things to consider. And when you always edit your choices, your lifestyle, your friendships, your conversations in this light, does it bring glory to God? It really helps you to narrow down your choices 
to something that is in the will of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So all of us have purpose from God. When we do the five, we will bring glory to God. But what is calling? Calling is different. And it's very important for you to understand this. Purpose is general. Every one of us have the same purpose. Okay? But calling is specific. Not all of us have the same calling. Can you say Amen? And this is where the confusion comes and this is where we're not able to engage and make the right decisions. And that's why many lives are stuck right now. Many young people's lives are stuck. I can sense right now. You're not heading into your destiny. You're not walking on the highway God has prepared for you because you don't know your calling. We have told you in this church many times, this is God's purpose for you, God's purpose. And you have an understanding of it. But you must know that calling is specific. Purpose is the final destination, the end result. But how we get there is the calling. You can drive from Kohima to Dimapu through so many ways. Some of us, you can even go through Imphal. Go to Jiribam and land up in Dimapu. You can go from Woka side. You can come from Konama side. You can go from Peren side. See, all of us will land up in Dimapu. But the calling is specific. The calling is how we get to the purpose. Now understand this, the purpose is more important than the calling. Okay? But the purpose cannot be achieved without the calling. You cannot get to your purpose without the calling. So your calling is what God wants you to do in order to fulfill your purpose. Did you get that? They are connected. They are not the same, but they are connected. Your calling is what God wants you to do in this season that will get you to your purpose. So the calling can be defined as this. Calling is a strong inner impulse towards a certain course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction or divine influence. It's a strong impulse to a certain course of action. And I will explain more. Okay? You can also say calling is your vocation or your profession right now. For some of you students, right now your calling is a student. Because callings can change. It's a strong impulse to a particular course of action. For example, in 2011, I was strongly convicted that I should go to Myanmar and have a youth conference there. So since that time, the church, we have felt an impulse, a calling to Myanmar. So we invest there more than in other places. Did you follow what I said? Amen. So get this, our calling is how we fulfill our purpose. While our purpose is to glorify God, to do the five things, how we do it is through our calling. Calling is the way to get to the purpose. And our calling, get this, is made up of all the things God wants you to do, the places He wants you to go. Calling is made up of all the things that you will do in this life in order to carry out your purpose. For example, 
My purpose is to share Christ. Your purpose is also to share Christ. That's God's purpose, mission for every Christian. Amen. So one of the ways I do that personally for myself is I felt a conviction to write a book called First Steps. And in that book, I wrote my own experience. I wrote my own understanding. And we were able to print it and distribute it. And then God blessed it to the point where it's being distributed all over the nation, several other nations. And so, that is my calling. My calling is to write the book and through the book, I fulfill the purpose. But many of you are not called to write books. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, God called me to write the book because He gave me a gift to write. So the gift I have directs me to my calling. And when I am faithful to the calling in that season, it helps me fulfill my purpose. Try to make the connection. Amen. See, you will discover your calling when you look at what you have from God in this season. See, for a musician, someone who cannot write, hear my testimony of how I wrote books and how it blessed so many people. And the musician, because you are not secure in your gift and your identity, you're like, ah, oh, singing songs is useless. I'll also write, I write a book like Pastor Sean. We want to copy one another, right? In Nagaland, we always do that. Pandukan, 20 pandukans. Taxi, 20 taxis. We all like to copy one another. One Raja Meja Chili, now 50 Raja Meja Chili brands are there in the market. So, you have to know your gift, your, call, your, your, your talents, your resources. So a musician may use the platform of music, the gift of music, to write a song, to produce a song, and to read a song about Jesus. So that when people sing that song, listen to the song on that platform, they hear about Christ and their hearts are touched. So that musician is fulfilling God's purpose for him to share Christ through the calling to write song. Whereas I'm fulfilling my purpose to share Christ through my calling to write, to preach. And many of you can do what the purpose of God is, share Christ through your calling as a student. Your calling as a doctor. Your calling as a businessman. In the marketplace. See, God's calling is not relegated only to church activities. God's purpose is not only within church, the four walls of the church. But there is a way to get there. And it's by discovering these principles. Amen? So purpose is the end result. Calling is the action of faith. Calling is the action of faith in that season that will help you fulfill the purpose. Calling is always something that you do. And understand this. Everyone's calling is different. Everyone's calling is specific and unique. It is as unique as your fingerprint. None of us, our calling will be the same as one another even though there'll be similarities. So how you discover your calling is really through your life of 
intimacy with God, your relationship, and of course, also being guided by people who have walked that path so that you understand these principles. The wisdom of God's required. Now get this statement. Fulfilling your purpose is your ultimate goal in life. Can you say amen? Do you agree? However, it is important to remember that you cannot achieve your purpose without fulfilling your calling. Without answering the calling. So the difference between purpose and calling, have you understood? It's very important. The calling gets you to your purpose. There's a calling in every season. So let me share with you these things. Some things about the callings. Callings can come in different seasons of our lives. Paul was first a teacher. He was called to give his testimony from church to church. He answered that call. And later on in life, after 17 years, he was called to be an apostle. Even from the beginning, God told him, your purpose is to go and bring the light of God to the Gentiles. But the first calling was teacher. He was not called as, he did not jump immediately to becoming an apostle. There was a different season of his life where he was called to do something. So he did what he was supposed to do in that season. And that led him to the other callings, ultimately fulfilling God's purpose in his life. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I knew exactly what my ultimate purpose in life is. God spoke to me. But I began the ministry first by sharing in different colony fellowships in Kohima. Going house to house in Kohima, sharing the gospel. That's how I began the ministry. That was my calling in that season. For two years, I did that faithfully. I did not, not do anything and just wait that God's purpose will somehow just drop on me. I was called in that season to do that and I did it. I did not hear that calling supernaturally or in a vision. I just knew in my heart, this is something I need to do in this season. I did it faithfully. Nowadays, I don't do that because I'm not called to that. Now I'm called to preach on the platform on social media and other places, but I'm still doing the same purpose. Preach Christ. Did you get it? Amen. Callings can change. Purpose never changes. What you are doing today will not be what you may be doing in 10 years time. And sometimes they're connected. Sometimes, you know, you may be having a calling in a specific area and having another calling in another area. For example, there are many who felt a call to be an usher in church. So they joined the ushers for two, three years. But they're not ushers the whole life. Some of them are not government officers. They were doing that in a season. They felt called to serve the Lord as an usher for three or four years while they were students. But that calling prepared them taught them faithfulness. It taught them commitment. It taught them faith. It taught them how to pray. Which God leveraged to bless them in the government job. So now they are working and serving in the government. But the purpose is still the same. The purpose is to glorify God. But the calling has changed. So don't confuse calling with purpose and purpose with calling. Calling is specific. 
it changes in seasons of your life. Amen. In the first part of my ministry, I felt a call primarily to Nepal and Bhutan to preach the gospel there. Because no one was calling me here. No one liked me in Nagaland. So the only places who liked me were these small little churches in Nepal and Bhutan where I just preached my heart out to people who don't even understand English. But I just did it anyway. But that was a season of my life where I was called to them. And I used to go there at least three or four times a year. But the calling changes. I don't do that now. This because the calling has changed. But the purpose is still the same. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. See, callings can be different paths you take in different seasons. And sometimes you may even miss God. But understand, if your heart is always to bring glory to God, God can bring you back from wrong steps you have taken, wrong directions. He can always bring you back again to fulfill His purpose in your life. So God is gracious. Amen. Hallelujah. Understand that. Different paths that will bring you to the desired end. Let's look at the life of Joseph. And let me bring this out with better illustration. Genesis chapter 37. How many of you are blessed today? Is it making sense to you? Amen. Get this. You must understand how the kingdom of God operates. And that's why coming to church becomes so important. Listening to anointed word, wisdom becomes so important because our lives are stuck in so many ways. When we are just trying to get to a place that we really desire by our own strength and by our own abilities, not understanding the ways of God. Right now, every one of you, there's a calling from God to do certain things in this season. And if you're not doing anything, but just thinking of the purpose, you will miss. You have to answer the call in every season. Look at Genesis chapter 37. Look at verse 5. Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So there were two dreams that he had. Both dreams were dreams of greatness. You know that one was the sheaves of his brothers, even the father and mother bowing down to his sheaf. The other was about the stars, the moon and the sun, even bowing down to Joseph. So God showed him from the very beginning his purpose, his destiny. All right? Now go to Genesis chapter 45. We'll come back to 37. Genesis chapter 45. Now David later on, I'm sorry, Joseph later on understands his purpose more after he has gone through certain experiences with God. So in the beginning, God showed him a glimpse and his purpose was, you're going to be a ruler. Your destiny is you're going to be a ruler. But he didn't understand the ways of God. He didn't have the character of God when he was young. So he actually became proud. He became conceited. He became arrogant towards his brothers and even his own mother and father. And that can happen even to young believers today when you have gotten a glimpse of what God is going to do for you in the future, you may start disrespecting and despising even your pastors. Even the leaders above you, even your fellow, fellow Christians and you don't ask their advice or the counsel anymore. 
I've seen that happen so many times. But it's okay. We understand. You could be a Joseph right now. <laughs> Bragging about all those things that God's going to do for you. And guess what happened? The brothers got jealous. And they wanted to take his life. But anyway, go to Genesis chapter 45. Look at verse 5 and 8. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. We know that Joseph was sold. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So there was a purpose that God was fulfilling through the different callings that came to Joseph. Alright? For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And listen to this. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. The purpose of God ultimately was to preserve the seed, the seed that will come through the nation of Israel, through Abraham, that will destroy the powers of darkness. Jesus Christ. Because it will be through Abraham, the seed will come that God will make a covenant with all men for eternity. Jesus Christ. And the purpose of God, you got to see the grand scheme of things. Because the famine was coming and there were chances that Jacob and all his family members would be lost. So God engineered all these circumstances so that a posterity will be preserved. And Joseph understood that later on. But when he was young, he did not understand it. He had a glimpse, but yet he walked towards it. He began to talk about it, which is good. Amen. You begin to pray about what God, what you desire of your heart. But what happened next? He was sold as a slave, right? To Egypt. About to be killed. God put it on the heart of Reuben. Not to kill him, but to sell him as a slave. So they sold him as a slave. In other words, he was called to Egypt. But you may say that he did not choose to be in Egypt. Doesn't matter. God engineered the circumstances so that he was now in Egypt. Some of you, your callings are not something you choose. It's forced upon you by your family circumstances. Your father may have lost all his wealth. Now you cannot go and study outside. And now you have to study somewhere in Nagaland. Doesn't matter. Even in that, there is a purpose God can fulfill. If you will just trust in the Lord. Can you say Amen? You see, God can bring His calling into your life through different things. It's not always your... It's not always in a perfect way where your choice is always involved. He uses the circumstances of life. Amen. Hallelujah. So he's in Egypt now. And when he's in Egypt, he's bought by Potiphar. So now he's called to be in Potiphar's house for some amount of time. What did he do in Potiphar's house? I'm just waiting on the Lord's purpose. No. He served Potiphar faithfully for many years. He served so faithfully that Potiphar prospered. Potiphar did not think even a day 
about his household affairs. Potiphar did not have to think about the light, the, the nail. He did not have to think about the chairs. Potiphar did not have to think about the kitchen while Joseph was there because Joseph did everything for Potiphar. What is that? That's called serving. And the Bible says, look at Genesis. This is what the Lord showed me. To where you must understand this. Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph, verse 4, found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and all in all the field. Then he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. Potiphar did not think even a day about shopping, taking care of the servants, taking care of his house, taking care of his car, taking care of his office. Joseph handled everything. So I asked the question, even like for example, not every time our lives don't go as we expect, right? Sometimes we want to do this, but circumstances trust in us in a different direction. We want to marry her, but we end up with someone else. <laughs> Anyway, that's a bad joke. <laughs> See, life always doesn't head us in the right direction, right? So I was asking, so how do we know? Like how would Joseph know that he's in the right calling? Because the circumstances were negative. He was a slave. He was sold to Egypt. But how would he know that he was still in the right calling even though he in his mind, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be ruler, ruler, ruler. But his calling was slave at that moment. His calling was serve Potiphar. I'm supposed to be served. And the Lord revealed this to me yesterday. How you know you're in the right calling is this. Is the Lord with you in that place? Is the blessing of the Lord in what you are doing? Are you seeing favor? In what you are doing. You may have wanted to be an ESE. But now you have to be a teacher. And you're thinking, ah, maybe I miss God's calling. But when you are a teacher, do you see God being with you? Do you see His blessing on your profession? Do you see His favor in what you are doing? And if you say yes, you are in the right calling. Don't compare yourself with others who may have better jobs and feel like you have missed God. But if you are wanting to really do it, you don't see God with you, you don't see His favor with you, you don't see His blessing with you, you are in the wrong calling. Amen. Hallelujah. Like I said, the first places I went to preach was Nepal, Bhutan. But there God always showed up in every service. People were blessed, healed, delivered. The churches prospered. 
I wanted to preach in big churches. I wanted to preach in the cities. God sent me to the villages. But it was for a time and a season. And it's not because I really wanted to go to the villages, all right? It was because no one else invited me. So I was thrust into areas I didn't want to be in because of compulsion. And yet when I went there, God was there. People were blessed and healed and saved and delivered. So I knew I'm in the right calling. But it was not every year of my life. Hallelujah. What happened next to Joseph? He was falsely accused and sent to prison. Let's look at that in verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, showed him mercy in the prison, gave him favor in the prison, in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. So even in the prison, God was with Joseph. His blessing was with Joseph. The favor of God was with Joseph. So he was actually in the right place. He was in the right calling. Hallelujah. God was with him. In every season of his life, Potiphar, prison, what was Joseph doing? He was serving, serving. He was serving Potiphar with his gifts. What was his gift? Administration, wisdom, manager. That was the gift upon his life. And he served Potiphar and prospered him. When he was in the prison, he served the prisoners. He served the keeper of the prison with his gifts. That is calling. You don't wait till you get to the place that you want to be and start serving. You serve in every season of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Joseph had a gift to interpret dreams. And Joseph had this attitude. I will interpret only for Pharaoh. So Pharaoh, when are you coming to me? No. Joseph interpreted the dreams of the prisoners. Right? What does it mean for us today? It means this. Pray for everyone who comes to you. Pastors, ministry team leaders. Doesn't have to be rich people, powerful people. Doesn't have to be influential people. Don't wait for the people who are rich to come before you prophesy. Use your gifts for whoever is there. Immature, young, begin to use. Serve God. That's what it means. Serve with your gifts. Wherever you are, that's your calling. And when you do it faithfully, you'll be prepared for the Pharaoh to come into your life. Some of you are just waiting for Pharaoh. And that's why your life is not moving. Hallelujah. In every season of his life, Joseph was serving. He was called to Potiphar, served. He was called to the prison, he served. He was called to the baker and the cupbearer, he served. He served, he served, he served. He kept his attitude right. 
Did you know that managing Potiphar's house was just training ground to manage Egypt one day? Managing the prison was just a time of preparation to manage Egypt one day. But Joseph did not know he'll manage Egypt. He just was faithful to the time and the season that he was here. You never know what God's going to prepare you for if you are just faithful to your calling today. But many of you are not faithful to your calling today because you're waiting for the big deal to come. You're waiting for the lottery. And Asher was telling us yesterday how by just joining the ushers, learning to usher people, lead people, talk to people, organize people, her village council, students called her, found her so smart, found her so capable, they wanted her to be the general secretary. Right? So, just a little example of how what you do in a little way prepares you. God is preparing you, see. God is seeing the whole picture. You're not. He just wants you to be trusting in Him, be faithful and obedient. But you know more than God. <laughs> Are you getting it? You have to engage with God. To your calling in every There is no such thing as a suspended calling. In every season, you're called to something. You're called to something. And that's preparing you for your purpose. Purpose will remain the same your whole life. But you're called to different things in different seasons of your life. Hallelujah. So calling for Joseph was a different places he was serving, the different people he was serving, the different things he did that ultimately brought him to be the ruler of Egypt. But that was still not God's purpose for him. Just to be ruler? To thump his chest? 52 inch? No. <laughs> the purpose was this. To preserve the seed of Abraham. To make a way for Jesus to come. That was it. Even your life's purpose. You are an officer. You are a businessman. Yes, God will prepare you for levels of levels of increase. You are a musician. Levels of increase. God will prosper you more and more. But ultimately, it is about Jesus. In the place where you serve. Is to be a witness for Christ. Hallelujah. So ask these two questions. You can ask God. You can ask yourself. It will help you. These are not the only questions. Number one, what do I love doing? What do I love doing? What do you love to do? Look at Psalms 139 verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you even your insights. He made everything of you. So He has put a certain wiring system that you need to discover. What do I love doing? What are my strengths? What are the gifts I have? That is the first clue to your calling. Don't despise the gifts you have wanting to be someone else. You're going to live in a fantasy world and crash. You're going to crash. Amen. 
God will not ask you to do something that you hate. That you are not gifted for. Understand that. Now, don't misapply this again by saying, Oh yeah, pastor, I don't want to go to church. So maybe I'm not called to go to church. That's your flesh talking. That's your flesh. Don't put your flesh in this question. Because many things God calls you to do, you may not want to do by your flesh, but your heart is drawn to it. I love to preach because my calling, my, my heart's desires, I love it when people's eyes open up and the truth hits them and they are set free. That's what I love to do. But I don't feel like preaching every Sunday. I don't feel like it. So I have to remind myself that's my calling and that motivates me. So when you use the word love, don't misapply it and think it's only about your flesh. Some things you love to do, you don't love to do. I hope you got a difference. Second question is this. How can what I do help someone? Because it's ultimately about helping others. God's purpose always involves others. You're always called to serve others. How can what I love help someone else? Finding God's purpose and calling isn't about you. It's about sharing what God gives you for someone else. Okay, so your gift and your ability is not for you. It's not for you. It's for someone else. It's to serve the body. And serving is the way you engage in every level of your calling to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Look at Romans chapter 12 and we'll close here. How much time can you give me? Anybody want to give me 10 minutes? Anybody want to give me 10 minutes? 20 minutes? Ah, I won't be here for two weeks, so. Romans chapter 12. Three things. Very quickly, I'll just hit it very briefly, but you will get it. Three steps that you will discover your calling, engage with your calling. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, number one, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service to. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number two, renew your mind. Everyone say, renew your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So before you can find out that good, acceptable and perfect will of God, you are meant to do two, these two things. And it's not like you have to do first and then you will find out. As you keep on doing it, you will discover more and more of the will of God. So it's like two wheels running together. Alright? So, <clears throat> first, offer your body a living sacrifice. Number two, renew your mind. But there's a third thing God showed me while I was teaching in the Bible school. Verse 3, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And it's good to think soberly. Don't imagine yourself having gifts that God did not give you. Right? You are five feet tall. You want to be a six feet tall model. <laughs> Some people are always dreaming to be a model when they're just... Anyway, I'm not racist, all right? Don't cancel this sermon. If you're five feet, well, find something you can do when you're five feet, right? God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God has dealt to everyone different grace. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So every Christian has gifts. God has given to everyone a measure of faith, a measure of grace. You just need to discover it. How? Ask yourself a question. What do I love doing? What I do? How can it help others? Discover your gifts, your resources, your ability. Some lists are given here. Prophecy, ministry, that means to serve, teaching, exhortation, giving, right? Some of you have the grace to give. God has blessed you with resources. It's not for you. It's to be a blessing to the kingdom. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Many of ushers have great gifts of leadership. They just started as an usher. But Wati, Nico, they've become leaders. Because by serving, they grew in their gift. Alright? So, the third thing is this. Serve with your gift. Alright? So, these three things are very important that you keep on doing regularly. Because this is the real, the dynamo. And it produces the electricity. So, this is the wheel. You know, you have to grind something on a daily basis. As you keep on doing these three, your calling comes out. It produces. It helps you engage with a calling. So the first thing is this. Offer your body. The first offering that you give to God after you're born again. You know what it is? It's not your money. It's your body. Your body. Now, we say to God, Lord, I give you all my heart. Right? How many of you have prayed that prayer? Yeah. So if you want to give God all your heart, do this. Bring your body to church next Sunday. You see, many people say, Lord, I love you. I give you everything. But they don't give their body to God. You are spirit, soul, and body. That means your body is also part of you. So you must give your body to God. How do I give my body to God? You come to church. You sit down for one hour in the presence of God. You're giving your body as a sacrifice in that one hour. There are sometimes you don't want to do it, but you just sit there. And when you're sitting there, the Spirit of God is moving on you touching you. There's a refining process that's happening. There's a transformation process that's happening. It's slow. It's progressive. But it's happening. So if you will bring your body to a place of prayer, don't just say, Pastor, I'll pray at home. No, you got to bring your body as a sacrifice. See, in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice on the altar. They could not sacrifice anywhere they wanted. Are you with me? So when you saw about your body as a living sacrifice, you've got to bring it to a place of prayer. Bring it to a place of prayer. That one hour, two hour, is doing something to your body. It is discipling your body. It is killing the flesh. It is mortifying the body. It is destroying the roots of temptation in your body, which have the potential to destroy your life. Offer your body Listen to a sermon for one hour. You're offering your body. Serve the Lord in some place in the church, in the ministry. You're offering your body. Offer your body. How? Being available for God. Read the Bible. You're offering your body. Amen. Your body is your offering. Do you know that? Living sacrifice. What's the word sacrifice? Offering. 
We offer our bodies to Facebook, Instagram. So offer your body. The second thing is your mind. Everyone say the mind. The Bible says, love the, your, your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Charismatics need to understand this. You need to study. You need to use your brains to study the Word. You need to offer your mind to God. How? You need to read. You need to study. You need to meditate. You need to think. You need to discuss. That's offering your mind to God. Don't think that the mind is only the worldly people who are just being very theological and intellectual. We don't need that. No, you need to be intellectual to come to the place where your intellect submits to the Word. The wrong use of your intellect is when you begin to say the miracles don't exist because of science and logic. The right use of your intellect is when you use your questioning and your curiosity to come to the Word and the Word shapes your worldview. The Word shapes your belief system. The Word shapes the way you look at all life. The way you look at government. The way you look at entertainment. The way you look at science. The way you look at gender. There are no hundred genders, there are just two genders. How do I know it? The Word. It shapes my belief system, not CNN. Not some scientists in Harvard who are foolish. The Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. For, for them to make all these suppositions, brilliant arguments, which removes God out of the picture is foolishness. And yet, because we are brought up in a system where we respect universities like Harvard and Oxford, we tend to think that whatever they say is the truth. A lot of rubbish is coming out of Harvard and Oxford. Did you know that? No, by all means, go and study and get the certificate. You need the certificate. <laughs> but that certificate should not determine your worldview and the way you live life. It's the Word. Offer your mind to God. Let your mind be shaped by the Word. Hallelujah. Amen. So what happens is that when your mind is shaped by the Word, your mind is renewed. So that way, you're able to discern and judge and say, hmm, this is not the will of God. Hmm. This is not the way of God. Because you have developed that. Offering your body, Mind, you're able to discern the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. So you don't have to come to me. Ah, oh, Pastor, uh, I really love him. He, 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 he's not a Christian. Uh, uh, he's not a good man, but I really love him. Just pray that God will change his mind. That's an unrenewed mind talking to me. I don't need to pray. Just do what the Bible says. But you don't know what the Bible says because you haven't used your mind. Hallelujah. And the third is this. <clears throat> present your gifts. Present your body, number one. Number two, present your mind. Number three, present your gifts, your talents, your abilities. Give it to God. How? Use them. How? To the body. Use for the body. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Use them to serve. 
That will take you to your calling. You see, your gifts. Don't deny your gift and want to be someone else. If you have a gift and an anointing area, that's a sign from God you're called for this in this time. Yet many are neglecting that and going somewhere else. It's not about religion, rituals. Because I get it. Sometimes young people find church uncool. So you don't want to be connected with things connected to church. It's not about church. Look beyond the church. It's the body. See the body as Jesus' body. Jesus' sheep. Love the church. Why? Because by loving the church, you are loving Jesus Christ. There's some things the Lord revealed to me, but I don't want to say it right now because it will hurt some others also. But see, serving is always investing in the kingdom. Serving is a sowing. The principle of sowing and reaping, even under grace, is it works. When you serve at a certain level and you're doing the calling of God at that level, you're building spiritual capital. Now, don't go out and say that Pastor Sean is teaching works again. No, I all, we all believe in grace. But it's how you use the grace of God in the season where you are. That God has given you grace. For example, during the COVID, God gave me grace to write. So I wrote. I don't have the grace to write in this season. Beginnings are getting so busy. But when the grace was there, I wrote. And by being faithful to that, the books have exploded all parts of India. And now people want to come. People want to connect with the church and so on. We just have to be wise, of course. But that, when you sow into a season in the Spirit by serving with your gift, you are building spiritual investment that when it is built up, it buys your next level. But you're not buying with your works, alright? You're not buying with money. Did you get it? Even prayer. Time in prayer builds your capacity. So don't think that, oh, it's a grace. Everything will just come freely. Jesus paid for it. I don't have to pray. I don't have to serve. I don't have to sow. It's just going to just happen. No, you are misinterpreting grace. There's action involved. Every calling is an invitation to an action. Grace is an invitation without any qualifications on your part, an invitation to actions of faith. I hope you understood. Hallelujah. I just feel led to pray for many whose lives are stuck and they need to discover the calling in this season. They need to start having goals in their life. And they need to be propelled and moved out of a place of apathy, directionless. And we bow our heads and close our eyes. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time 
effort and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at PayTM. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.